Welcome to The Surge, a podcast about all things AmSurge and the ambulatory surgery center industry, where we share insight, news, and conversations relevant to our nationwide network of centers. Join us as we hear from AmSurge leadership, partners, and healthcare experts about the best practices, trends, and strategies that help your business thrive. Now here's today's host, AmSurge Medical Staff Lead, Dr. Jay Pop. Welcome to The Surge. I'm Jay Pop, AmSurge's Medical Staff Development Lead, and I'm happy to be joined today by Dr. Stephanie Simmons. Dr. Simmons is an emergency medicine physician in Ann Arbor, Michigan, and the Vice President of Patient and Clinician Experience for Envision Healthcare. She leads organizational strategy for Envision's more than 20,000 members, covering 46 states, working to enhance relational excellence through patient communication, professional well-being, and coaching culture. Steph, thanks so much for being with us today. Thank you, Jay. Happy to be here. We're going to talk about something that was very important even before the pandemic, and I think the pandemic has amplified it big time. And that's the whole concept of clinician wellness, physician burnout. Um, and, and Steph is an expert on this, and she's just done such a tremendous job helping all of us at Envision and AmSurge negotiate through the pandemic. So Steph, to start, can, can you give the audience your concept of clinician wellness and what it means? Sure, and thank you for the question. You know, when I think of professional well-being for clinicians, it encompasses physical and mental health, and it encompasses personal wellness, which is thriving as an individual, but it also encompasses the environment of practice. And you know, that includes the way society is viewing medicine, the rules and regulations that clinicians are exposed to, the educational environment, resources that are available to us to practice, and, and really that sometimes mismatch between the job and the resources. And you're absolutely right. This has been a topic of interest for clinicians for a long time, as we've seen um, you know, rates of burnout throughout our careers vary and increase uh, and throughout specialties. But also in the last two years with the pandemic, we've seen that mismatch between what we're being asked to do and the resources at the societal level that we're being given to do that. Mm -hmm. So would you think that when we think of wellness and of course the term we hear all the time is, is burnout. So is burnout the antithesis of wellness? Yeah. When you talk about the physical and emotional, uh, kind of all of the above, is, is, is that really what burnout is all about? So, so burnout is a very specific individual combination of symptoms, right? It's, it's the combination of exhaustion, which is fatigue that doesn't improve with rest, and depersonalization, feeling like you're not really there as a person, when you're doing your work and decrease efficacy or feeling like you can't make a difference. So, so burnout is experienced by an individual, but the problem is that when you talk about burnout, it, it sounds like a verb, right? That an individual burns out and that puts a lot of responsibility and a lot of sometimes even blame on individuals 
when in fact those other factors, the environment, the society, the rules of regulation, the practice that you're being asked to have of medicine are, are really the majority of the factors that go into that syndrome of burnout. So there are, there are people who have proposed instead of talking just about burnout, that we need to talk about moral injury or the difference between what a mission-driven physician or other clinician who is there to care for patients wants to be able to do for their patient in front of them and what they are able to do in that greater environment. That mismatch is moral injury. And that is one of the causes of the symptoms that we call burnout. So Steph, how do we know, how would I know, for example, if I'm a clinician that I'm experiencing burnout or recognize it in a colleague? And if we see it in a colleague, should we bring it to their attention? Should we try to offer support? Should we let them know what resources are out there that can help them? Uh, how would you give us some advice on that? Absolutely. You know, in terms of recognizing our own burnout, it's, it's very well documented that clinicians have poor self-awareness in terms of how we are doing emotionally and mentally with respect to our job. And, and really, that goes back to our training and selection process, right? What are the what are the things we're told as residents and students, right? Sleep when you're dead, uh, just push through it. You can do it. We say these things to ourselves too. Um, you know, I'm sicker than the patient I'm taking care of today. Ha ha. You know, we make these jokes with each other and that sort of gives us this over the years, we have this decreased sense of how we are actually doing and how that impacts our work. So, you know, there's some things you can ask yourself in terms of, do I feel the same enthusiasm uh, for my work as I always have? Do I feel tired all the time? Do I dread going into work? Do I feel like when I'm at work and caring for patients, I'm seeing them as people and I feel like I'm a person taking care of them? Or am I depersonalized and removed, walled off from what's going on? And do I feel and see the difference that I make for my patients and my team on a daily basis? Or do I feel like I'm shuffling back the tide or uh, you know, having futile exercise in, in patient care, but nothing ever gets better or changes? So those are the sort of individual feelings that you might look for. In terms of recognizing burnout in a colleague, it's really going to depend on what the colleague was like and your relationship with them was like to begin with. You may see someone who isn't engaging socially as much as they used to at work, just sort of heads down, get it through, leave, you know, uh, do the, the minimum. You may see someone who's rude or lashing out uh, to peers or other colleagues on the team, uh, short, right, or snappish with their responses. Um, you may see someone who is tearful or seems upset throughout the day. And not only would I encourage you to approach those folks, but I think it's what we all owe each other. 
And it's really only by sharing our own experiences and our own times feeling that way that we're going to change the way that our medical culture views professional well-being. Mm-hmm. Great points. Um, one, one thing I'm curious about, and maybe it's changed with the pandemic, you know, you're an emergency physician. I can't think of any job that was more stressful during the pandemic. Uh, are there certain specialties that um, where you're more prone to suffer burnout or are there gender or age differences? Um, does that exist or not so much? So it's interesting. One of the changes in COVID is that so many types of jobs had to change and had to take on increased risk that the world, the society in general, is, is a little more aware of burnout and the risk that clinicians face now than than it was three years ago. Uh, Every specialty is at risk um, for decreased professional well-being. During the COVID pandemic, the specialties that cared the most for the sick and dying had the largest impact. So the emergency department, the hospitalists, the intensivists. um, And I would argue that our intensive care nurses have probably had one of the hardest jobs um, throughout the pandemic uh, in terms of the witnessing of, of human suffering and having mm-hmm. to, to, to work with the families as well. It's, you know, Medscape puts out a yearly report of which specialties are experiencing burnouts at which rate. And emergency medicine, hospitalist medicine, and intensive care usually are at the top of those lists. But also some of the surgical subspecialties, urology is often at the top of the list. And, you know, it goes to the call schedule and uh, the availability within communities. If you're the only person providing care in a specific area for a large geographical catchment area, then it's hard to have time off or take a vacation or get sleep on the regular. So um, there are some specialties that are at specific risk. With regards to age or gender, it's an interesting question. And some of the thinking on this has evolved a bit. So the traditional answer to that question would be that um, mid-careerists, so that 10 to 20 years out of medical school, is the highest risk of burnout. And you see a little lower risk at the beginning of your career and a little lower risk at the end of your career. Um, Although every stage and every age of clinician can experience burnout. Mm -hmm. We also saw in previous studies an increase in burnout in female clinicians. There was a great study in 2021 that came out in um, anesthesiology that controlled for caregiver responsibilities and support at home. And once you controlled for those two factors, the gender difference in burnout disappeared. Hmm. And if you think about who has the majority of caregiving responsibilities in terms of age, it tends to be mid-careerists. Uh, Men and women have children at home, have parents who are beginning to have care needs as well. And so they're in that sandwich generation where they have significant caregiver burdens in addition to their work caregiver burdens. Mm -hmm. So what I would say is rather than thinking about an age or a gender that is at risk for burnout, 
I would say people with significant caregiver responsibilities with poor support systems are at increased risk of burnout. You know, and a lot of people have really exquisitely built these support structures to, to, so that they can do their work and fulfill these caregiving responsibilities. And mm-hmm. I can give you an example in my life that looks like somebody who helps me with the housework and the yard work and an after-school nanny and summer camps and after-school programs and all of those things. Um, all of those crumbled during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, the other thing, um, and, and I've read about this, that the causes of burnout often fall into to one of three categories, uh, organizational culture, practice efficiency, and physician resilience. And one thing we haven't mentioned, and I've talked to a lot of colleagues that are, are my age who cite, you know, this is getting away from the pandemic a little bit. They, they cite the EMR as being a huge cause of burnout. Mm-hmm. And they've just throw up, thrown up their hands and said, enough is enough. You know, but the pandemic, I think, again, amplified that. And when you read that one out of five healthcare providers in the last two years have left the business, um, that's scary. You know, that can't be sustained. And so we have to figure out ways to deal with that. So I'm really curious, Steph, how how you got interested in this. And, and you've, again, d- done such a remarkable job. And I, I remember back in the early, I was telling somebody about it last night, in the early days of the pandemic, the, the daily afternoon, for, for lack of a better term, support groups that you ran that I thought were hugely effective just to give somebody kind of a safe space to, to vent, to tell their stories, um, to have voices listening to them that could say, oh, yeah, no, I feel the same way. Um, how, how did you get into this? Well, it, it's really been... From the very beginning of my academic career, um, an, an interest of mine. So I was a, one of those physicians who was a history undergrad and, and very deeply interested in people's stories and how they experience events. And throughout medical school and residency, that led to research in communication, how teams work together and uh, create a story of what their team means who they are within that team and how you work together to do really hard and important things. And then I had two friends um, in residency that experienced really significant events. Um, One of my friends, his wife went into preterm labor with HELP syndrome. And his first day of internship, he had a 32-week preemie and a wife in the ICU. So imagine that as a stressor, uh, starting your first day of internship. Another one of my friends developed encephalitis and a seizure disorder from her pediatrics rotation and and then had a physical disability um, to to deal with throughout her residency. And these were my, my closest companions during my early training. So I had a firsthand view to the struggles that they went through in and both the importance of the individual support they received from mentors and professors and the lack of systematic support that was there for them, um, both in their residency and then in their practice. It seems like we can do better. Uh, and I wanted, I wanted it to be better. Um, so I started doing some work looking at how we are building systems to support clinicians. Uh, and then 
And then, you know, in my own practice, I've also experienced times when those feelings of exhaustion and, and decreased efficacy were very real. In fact, like Jay, I think if you ask any physician, tell me about when you were burned out, they'll say which time, <laughs> right? Not like, oh, that's never happened to me, but which time? And, um, and I love the practice of medicine. I love caring for patients and uh, the cognitive dissonance between loving what I do and wanting to provide great patient care and it causing pain to do so. Um, mm-hmm. I'm a problem solver, right? So I, I like it. If I'm experiencing this, others must be. Let's figure out ways to make it better. Mm-hmm. So in your role with Envision, um, VP of Patient and Clinician Engagement, mm-hmm. what does that job entail? If, if I had to, to boil it down to the essence of, of the job, it's having an open eye and ear to what the needs are of clinicians to be able to provide great patient care and then rallying resources around those needs. So sometimes those needs are operational. Sometimes those needs are educational. Sometimes they exist in the form of vendor support uh, with enhanced therapy benefit or um, self-assessment uh, in professional well-being. But the definition really depends on the environment that our clinicians are facing. So I find myself with fingers in a lot of different pies, um, which is great. Uh, I love I love the opportunity to be involved in multiple areas in the organization. Well, to that point, Steph, you're only one person. So <laughs> what what does the company do? What does Envision and AmSurge do to to help with this really important issue? You know, how do we provide do we provide tools for our clinicians to deal with this? Absolutely. It's been so wonderful to see over the past two years, the suite of resources that have become available to our clinicians. Um, So first of all, if I sort of think about that societal, environmental, and personal hierarchy, right, of professional well-being, we're doing our best to operate on all of those levels. So at a societal level, our government affairs and advocacy group has been supporting at the national and state level, really important legislation and um, regulatory reform to support clinicians. The legislation has been in in the form of the Dr. Lorna Breen Provider Protection Act, which um, it, it, it is providing $143 million of funding through HRSA for research and programs to support clinician well-being, as well as development of guidelines for hospitals and health systems. Uh, We also are working at the state level so that state medical groups uh, and hospital credentialing questions have questions around mental health that support clinicians receiving care for mental health. So for instance, not having to disclose treatment that is not impairing for a mental health condition on your state licensure or your credentialing applications. So that's our sort of looking at a societal level, how we can impact things. Um, At the practice environment level, we're, we're really challenging 
everyone on our clinician support teams to think about how their work impacts clinicians and to maximize the processes that they're putting in place, not only for efficiency, but for that human impact uh, in terms of how that helps clinicians provide patient care. And then on a personal level, providing clinicians with resources to support their own well-being and resiliency. Um, We have enhanced um, therapy benefits available through Talkspace, where we've really offered to all of our clinicians and clinical support team this opportunity to engage with a therapist or counselor to process everything that sort of has happened in the last two years that is going on in their lives, clinical or personal, in a way that, you know, for clinicians, sometimes if you want to seek mental health care, it's really in your own backyard with your colleagues and your community members. And that can feel a bit uncomfortable at times. And so having Mm -hmm. a chance to do that um, through an online vendor can can be really helpful. Mm -hmm. We've put in place um, the well-being index, So that is an assessment, a self-assessment of uh, personal well-being for clinicians that provides a report on, you know, sort of where you fall compared to national benchmarks of other clinicians. They have a huge database. It's nine questions, Jay, so it doesn't, uh, doesn't foil anybody's plan for their day. And it can really be a great way to gain some insight to, to help counteract some of that programming we have to not think about ourselves and not take ourselves into account. Provide that insight of, gosh, you know, maybe I should think about what I'm doing in my life. And I'll give you an example. I had um, one of our leaders came up to me and, and said, when are we doing another round of the WBI? So I, I, I let him know that we were going to be doing that again in uh, late Q2. And And he said, I'll tell you how it helped me. I took it and I went, huh, that's interesting. Maybe I should work on this stuff. And then a week later, I kind of remembered it. And I thought, I'm going to make a phone call to one of my friends and set up some time to talk. And then that felt so good. I decided to do it again. And so six months later, I now have renewed that part of my social support system. Hmm. It doesn't have to be these. It doesn't have to be an intervention that makes sense to someone else. It has to be something that makes sense to you to improve your life. And sometimes we all just need a little nudge in the right direction. Well, you know, Steph, one thing you brought up early in the conversation is how we're kind of raised to to be tough, to just take it, to stay up all night. Uh, As you said, I'll sleep when I'm dead. Um, And we have to get over this kind of perception that if we give in to our emotions or feelings or the fact that we might burn out, wow, that doesn't really fit the narrative and we're not supposed to be like that. But I think we all have to recognize that um, everybody is susceptible to this. You look at the numbers even before the pandemic, uh, that 50% of physicians were experiencing burnout before the pandemic, uh, and it's, it's even higher now. But to know that these resources are available, for somebody to say, hey, you know what? There's a nine question survey you can take to to really benchmark and see where you are with with your colleagues. And I think getting the word out, like we're hoping that you've done such a great job doing today so our colleagues know what's available, that we can get help to more people. So, uh, you know, this is an ongoing problem. 
I'd like to remind our listeners that all the resources that uh, Dr. Simmons has mentioned, and there have been several, will be available in the podcast notes uh, that you will receive. Um, Steph, this has been a terrific discussion, and thanks so much for your time. But I want to give you the last word. Any other comments you'd like to make before I sign off? Absolutely. And, and Jay, I could talk about this for hours. So I appreciate your time and the opportunity to share my thoughts with your audience. I'd like to address your audience. So for, for the clinicians, you know, we need to look to ourselves and examine the causes of how we're feeling. If, if we're feeling exhausted, if we're feeling like we can't do it anymore, um, those feelings can be so overwhelming that it's hard to believe that small changes can make a difference, but they can and they do. And they have for so many of your tough, competent colleagues. We also need to surface the concerns we have about our practices to our leaders so that those environmental factors can be addressed and have more conversations with each other about how we're doing and, and how we're doing really so that the stigma around conversations around burnout starts to diminish. For our leaders, uh, we need to attend to our teams and understand where people are in their lives, uh, what their needs are and, and how things may need to be adjusted or change for people throughout their career and their lifespan. And for anyone on our clinician support teams, we need to be thinking in every part of our work how we're impacting clinicians and how the work we're doing can help get out of the way of the care that they're providing to patients and really allow clinicians to do what they do best, which is to take excellent care of patients. And really, that's all of us. So thank you uh, to everyone, the, the clinicians caring for patients, the leaders caring for their teams and the clinician support teams making it all happen for everyone. Steph, this has been uh, really an amazing discussion, and I hope our listeners will enjoy this as much as I have. Uh, you've made me aware of, of so many resources I had no idea existed, and we just need to uh, provide some introspection. You know, we need to look at ourselves, uh, realize what, what might be happening in our own lives, and, and go out and get some help. I'm sure you found this as enjoyable and informative as I did, and I'm glad you could join us again for another episode of The Surge. Until next time, I'm Jay Pop. Take care. Thank you for listening to The Surge. If you have any questions about this podcast or suggestions for future episodes, please contact us at communications at amsurge.com.